Good morning, everyone, and welcome. I'm so sorry that some of you had to wait downstairs. The door wasn't opening, but I'm really happy that you're here. It's a delight to have all of you here for our geopolitical conversation with uh, Mohammed Sheryar Alam, the State Minister for Foreign Affairs of Bangladesh. Sheryar, welcome. Thank you very much, and we're grateful to EPC for inviting us. Yes, thank you very much. We're delighted to have you. I'm Shada Islam. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Senior Advisor here at the European Policy Center. And Mr. Alam, you, of course, are a member of the Awami League, uh, a member of the Bangladesh Parliament, elected since 2008, 2014, and 2018. Right. So a veteran uh, politician uh, and a veteran member of the parliament, and you've been state minister for foreign affairs since 2014. Um, and you've represented your country, Bangladesh, in various international fora, including those dealing with human rights. And you are also a prominent textile entrepreneur and a passionate about cricket. That is a passion that we share. So uh, the rules of engagement for this conversation, this uh, conversation on geopolitics, very, very simple. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, the minister a few questions and then turn over the microphone to you. I have a colleague here who has a microphone and will take it around and please identify yourselves and ask the question. So uh, very, very simple, as I said, we're, not rec we're recording. Uh, we have an audio recording, so this is not Chatham House Rules. Uh, this is available to the public, uh, but we want to have a very honest and frank conversation. And once again, thank you to uh, the Ambassador of Bangladesh for having helped us arrange this conversation. So we have 45 minutes, and uh, since you're here in Brussels, uh, we're going to talk a little bit, start off at least with the EU. Um, 2023, 50 years of EU-Bangladesh partnership, right? But 50 years, a lot has changed in this world. We're now talking of a multipolar world. We see a global south uh, story, narrative, voice, which is very, very strong. And of course, everywhere we see the world in a state of flux. So, uh, Sharyar, if I were to ask you the relationship between EU Bangladesh on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, where will you put the relationship at the moment? Uh, I would say nine, uh, uh, li leaving some room uh, for further growth uh, so that we can challenge ourselves both here in Brussels and in Dhaka. Uh, and I think the enthusiasm is there. Uh, the relationship has uh, delivered a lot. Uh, uh, EU being the second, uh, the, the largest uh, trading partner of Bangladesh. Uh, more than half of our export is destined to these 27 countries. Uh, and uh, we are comfortable dealing with uh, European Union and European Parliament. I think they have a much uh, a better, greater, deeper understanding. Uh, they don't uh, necessarily interfere in our domestic uh, affairs. That irritates us uh, sometimes. Uh, and uh, we truly uh, are grateful because uh, in core areas uh, like poverty elevation uh, and uh, not just rely on aid, uh, but trade as a tool uh, Bangladesh, uh, under the present GSP regime, uh, e EBA, everything but arms. Uh, I think Bangladesh is one of the champion performer. If you are, you know, EPC or similar organization like yourselves goes on to do some research, uh, surely Bangladesh will stand out. Uh, it has not just uh, uh, helped us uh, with employment, uh, but majority of the workforce uh, are uh, female uh, and uh, um, uh, being. Uh, uh, you know, in that part of the world, and you know, I'm sure you are also personally experienced. Uh, you know, what does that really mean? Uh, empowering women in rural Bangladesh yep. uh, means a lot, uh, and that has changed the social fabric for good. And now that has laid the foundation for initial industrialization, and we are using that capital to graduate further in high skill, high engineering, uh, engineering uh, sectors and uh, heavy industries, if not. 
uh, you know, medium to heavy in, uh, skill Lots industries. Of investments coming in. Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, it's just not just a trade mm -hmm. uh, on, uh, even though I know it's a c very complicated and sensitive issue, migration, uh, you know, at least the major countries in European Union uh, have a greater uh, understanding uh, and uh, we have taken a holistic approach. Uh, UN engaged uh, our uh, office in New York uh, alongside Luxembourg uh, to draft the final outcome of the high-level uh, discussion on migration as a way forward for the world. Also in climate change, uh, uh, European Union, even though we have seen some of the countries had lack of continuity in their policy, uh, and Bangladesh being one of the most vulnerable country uh, on earth uh, due to climate change. My prime minister led a 53-member country known as uh, CVF, uh, Climate Vulnerable Forum, uh, led that initiative. Uh, we made our voice heard at the COP26, uh, 27. But after uh, Paris COP, uh, there were um, issues. Uh, there were lack of continuity from major emitters. Uh, but we are grateful to European Union that uh, they continued, they had a continuity in the policy. And you led the initiative uh, to include loss and damage as an agenda item. And we are very glad and grateful to European Union uh, that uh, hopefully by next COP uh, in UAE, uh, we will have a black and white paper how uh, the world is going to address the loss and damage. So uh, overall, uh, you know, the uh, relationship uh, has uh, enabled Bangladesh to, to come this far and um, EU can safely claim a lot of credit for it as well. So a relationship in good shape and real, a real kind of partnership. But there was that one grade that was missing and where would you like to see an improvement? Well, it's difficult to say. I mean, you know, in all areas that, you know, what, no matter how much we have achieved, we can do it even better. I think uh, one of the areas is probably migration, mm. uh, orderly, regular uh, migration. Uh, European Union countries are aging or aged uh, already. Yes. Uh, during COVID and post-COVID recovery, we have seen, and, you know, there are signs even uh, two years after uh, or a year and a half after COVID that uh, you, you need uh, more skilled uh, individuals mm -hmm. to help your economy to sustain and continue to grow uh, and deliver for the rest of the world. Uh, and uh, I think that's something we have uh, discussed uh, with the relevant uh, colleges uh, here, that we will work towards uh, finding the right, um, obviously different country among the 27 member states have uh, slightly different policies, uh, but European Union can try and bring them together in identifying the demand mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the need and then uh, transmitted to the countries like Bangladesh, and I, uh, here I'm not just talking about Bangladesh, but many other, other countries who are the source of uh, legal migrants. Uh, so that's an area I think uh, we can work on in right. future. Thank you for that. Uh, so in 2026, uh, Bangladesh will be uh, graduating, as we call it here, yeah. from the status of least developed country. So that will have an impact on all the wonderful things that you've talked about, the transformation, uh, industrial manufacturing that has been taking place. Mm -hmm. are, you, are you concerned about that? Uh, no, we are mindful of the possible challenges, uh, but we are happy. That was uh, very much in our election, in our election manifest. Uh, way back in 2008 when Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina announced and said that we will transfer Bangladesh to a digital Bangladesh. And way back in 2008, she said that we will graduate in 2021. And that's exactly what happened despite COVID, despite all the mm. other events uh, that wasn't expected uh, during this uh, 14 years journey. Uh, so uh, we reached out uh, to European Union. We requested to extend that moratorium period from three years to six years. Uh, so we get better time and opportunity to recalibrate and readjust ourselves because we have had COVID, uh, we are suffering from the uh, war uh, in Ukraine, uh, and that extra three years, uh, I think, will be just be right, not just in case of Bangladesh, but uh, uh, we are saying this on behalf of all the other LDCs, and this was discussed at LDC 5 in Doha. Uh, I think uh, in September there is a round of negotiation, uh, but... Uh, uh, it's an interesting time when EU is also revisiting the GSP regime uh, and uh, there'll probably there'll be new uh, condition and you know we don't mind being challenged uh, so that we can uh, do even better uh, to make sure that post 1st January 2024 uh, we are uh, we can still continue that but post 26 when you actually graduate mm -hmm. uh, we thought we will be better off if we can extend it till 2029. And have you got that now? Nope, not yet, but uh, you know that's something uh, we'll be working on.
Right. We are rather working on that. You're working on that, yes. Okay, so time to adapt, to adjust, and uh, become uh, even more competitive. Uh, So, Minister, moving on to connectivity, infrastructure connectivity, a huge uh, challenge for many parts of the global south, but also, of course, for Bangladesh. Uh, The EU has its global gateway scheme and, of course, is very proud of it and is uh, trying to expand it into many countries of the global south. And I know that Sheikh Hasina is uh, very very proud of uh, just recently uh, I was watching of the Padma Bridge that has been built and that was a very important project for her I think it was very personal as well and of course at that point the World Bank for uh, reasons uh, to do with the sanctions American sanctions withdrew its support and Bangladesh went ahead and and built it I think personal I mean Bangladeshi funds but also money from China if I'm not mistaken so how are you how are you dealing with uh, with the global gateway what place does it have in your uh, infrastructure plans uh, to a small correction if I may uh, there are no American sanctions that prompted uh, World Bank to withdraw but there were uh, politics uh, that Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina referred to and there's no Chinese funding in our project okay. it's purely uh, Bangladesh funded our own taxpayers' money. But there were Chinese contractors, as uh, you know, uh, there were hammers uh, used, there were dredgers used from Netherlands, from Luxembourg, right. uh, from Europe, uh, an architect from New Zealand, uh, and some other Australia as well designed uh, some parts of the bridge. So, you know, it was uh, truly a, a multinational effort, but the most important element, the money, was of our own. So, we are, of course, uh, proud of that because that was our first multi-billion dollar project using our own finance when uh, we were still termed as LDC, still termed as one of the poorest country, and there were those false allegations that was proved wrong eventually. Uh, but relationship with World Bank uh, uh, is, is going, uh, you know, uh, going well. She uh, presented a picture of the bridge to yes, Malpass. Yes, uh, yes. And, uh, you know, uh, we are still attracting a lot of investment and interest uh, from uh, organizations uh, b- like uh, World Bank and uh, since then uh, we have undertaken many other uh, we call it mega project mm-hmm. and the fascinating part uh, is that uh, by to in early part of 2023 IMF uh, released a report uh, that ranks Bangladesh as the 35th largest uh, economy in nominal term on PPP basis, Bangladesh is already the 25th largest economy of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, and the further forecast suggests that by 2031, uh, uh, Bangladesh will become the 30th largest economy of the world uh, on nominal basis. Now, none of these mega project projects, except Padma Bridge, actually contributed till date yet because those are not finished yet. Quite a few of them will be finished by end of this year. Uh, that includes Metro Rail the airport, uh, two years down the line, the deep sea port that Japan I- is uh, helping, uh, large-scale co- uh, uh, power plants. Now, when all those starts contributing in our economy, I, I think uh, we are really looking forward for a double-digit growth. Uh, despite the fact that we had COVID, despite the fact that uh, we are having this war to tackle, uh, Bangladesh has regist- registered uh, almost 6% growth. And this year's forecast suggests that Bangladesh will be in one of the top three countries uh, to grow uh, on GDPs. Right. So the global gateway. Thank you very much for Sorry, that. Uh, but yeah, very, 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 very quickly. Yeah, uh, I missed that. Global uh, gateway initiative is a fantastic one. We have present mechanism with European Union, but uh, we had uh, a very detailed discussion in the commissioners and uh, at the EES, and uh, they went on to describe. I need, think we need to understand it better, but this is a huge opportunity uh, to explore the avenues that were rather unexplored uh, uh, otherwise. Uh, you know, that's what that's a message that we have received uh, from the unions here, and uh, we will uh, follow that up uh, in coming days. And uh, there are uh, every willingness, uh, not just uh, to be part of that initiative, uh, but uh, the, the Cooperation Partnership Agreement, uh, uh, CPA, uh, hopefully uh, that will be signed. Uh, we have started the negotiation. Okay. Uh, in due course, so that will be signed. So I think uh, that's the next step for us. Right, because the European Investment Bank will, of course, be a major player in the in the global gateway as well. Thank you for that. Um, so I'm going to move on to uh, the Indo-Pacific. Uh, of course, uh, every single 
uh, European country now practically has an Indo-Pacific strategy. Many in the Indo-Pacific have an Indo-Pacific strategy, and so does Dhaka. So uh, your strategy is, uh, I think, uh, inclusive is also the word that you've used. But many, of course, are worried about China's expanding sort of uh, uh, presence in, in the Indo-Pacific. And many of the strategies, let's be very frank, have been drawn up as sort of uh, quote-unquote containment strategies of China. So I was wondering if you could explain a little bit, uh, Sharyar, about Bangladesh's view of the Indo-Pacific uh, and the outlook for coexistence between different uh, presences there. Yeah, uh, thank you. I think uh, what we have done, uh, we are terming it as Indo-Pacific uh, outlook uh, for Bangladesh, and uh, that's uh, based on four major principles. Uh, the, the major pillar of our foreign policy is the foreign policy dictum laid down by the father, founding father of the nation and greatest Bengali of all time, Bangabundu Sheikh Mujibur Rahman, which is friendship to all, malice towards none. Uh, that's the core. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the rule-based order, uh, you know, the international rules, uh, UN conventions, uh, and the third one uh, being the UNCLOS, because it's, it's largely sea, and uh, in our sea delimitation, uh, the boundary settlement with our neighbors, India and Myanmar, uh, we resorted to uh, the UNCLOS. We went to the ITLOS, and, you know, we accepted the verdict, and it's a win-win for all the countries. So that's another principle. And anything that all community, world community and organization like United UN, United Nation, uh, can possibly present and uh, agree at the GA. So these are the four major principles of our, uh, uh, our Indo-Pacific outlook. Now, first and foremost, uh, you know, we, uh, we don't want to see it from a security uh, mm -hmm. prism, uh, a, a military uh, prism. Yeah. Uh, we have issues in the world. Uh, we have a lot to do. Uh, there are poverty even in in Europe, uh, you know, let alone uh, South Asia. Uh, Fourteen years uh, back, when Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina became Prime Minister for the second time, uh, we had 42 percent uh, poverty rate. Uh, we brought it down during pre-COVID days uh, to 18, 19 percent. But COVID uh, has pushed uh, some of the uh, constituents uh, back to that. Uh, poverty uh, um, bracket. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's not just for Bangladesh. Whenever uh, in South Asia, especially Bangladesh, India, Nepal, the leader sits together, even in you know, Sri Lanka having uh, some uh, issue at the moment, uh, we identify poverty as our uh, main enemy. Mm -hmm. And that's for us. Uh, we know very well the state of uh, play uh, and the economic condition in Africa. Uh, you know, uh, someone thought that uh, up and you know four or five years ago uh, we have achieved something and things are moving in the right direction but look at what's happening uh, again uh, in some of the countries who had or who still have a great uh, prospect uh, but uh, lack of uh, peace and stability is hampering uh, their journey uh, some of them are yet to start walking even uh, so you know we have a lot of issues uh, we don't want to uh, get into further disputes uh, we have uh, reliance, uh, no matter uh, how different uh, your or our views are in, in geopolitics and in world politics, but uh, it's no denial uh, the, uh, uh, the you know, reliance on each other's uh, economies and activities. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't think anyone uh, in wildest of the dream ever imagined that uh, uh, war in Ukraine will destabilize the entire world's economy. Uh, you know, look at wh what's happening. And in, in similar fashion, if something happens in our region, I think it will be impossible to uh, put it back right. So I think we all need to work towards peace. Uh, Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina keeps on reminding everyone, and that's a common uh, line in her uh, statement mm -hmm. uh, every year at UN General Assembly, uh, saying that uh, dialogue uh, is, is, is the only way forward and only means uh, for settling differences and disputes the way we have done uh, in case of uh, Bangladesh. So that has influenced our uh, Indo-Pacific outlook. Mm -hmm. uh, we have identified so far about 15 objectives that we want to prosper, we want to help the, help the region, we want to get better, we want to uh, you know, implement the dream of founding father of the nation uh, to, uh, to achieve a Shonar Bangla, uh, we want to achieve a smart Bangladesh, uh, we want to see a poverty-free world. Uh, so, you know, those are 
the 15. And as time progresses, I'm sure we, we, can, we can add uh, a couple of more uh, based on our experiences and what we come across. Right, and of course, all of that depends on peace and, and stability in the region. Uh, just you, you mentioned the uh, Russian aggression in Ukraine. I was wondering the impact of that in terms of you know access to cereals, grains, the slowdown, economic slowdown, fuel prices rising. How is that affecting your economy? Um, uh, it's affecting on the energy side of it mostly, and that's because of the price. And we made a deliberate choice or attempt rather. Uh, to slow down, and uh, Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina uh, spoke uh, uh, in, the, in national television and radio, uh, requesting uh, all the countrymen to bear with uh, the government and you know mm. uh, face two hours load shedding, let's say, for electricity. Uh, and they all accepted, but unfortunately, our uh, technicality in distribution is uh, yet not smart enough. Uh, to make sure it's only two hours uh, in every villages mm. or every households or businesses. You're still doing that? No, uh, we, we tried that. That's what I'm trying to explain. We mm. couldn't manage that. Uh, we couldn't ensure it's just two hours, even though we're producing enough. And we always had, not always up until like five years ago, we had problems. But you know, we have, uh, we now have installed capacity of 22,000 megawatts, and the demand really is about 15,000 megawatts during peak summer. Uh, so we are not load shedding. Uh, we are buying uh, gas. Uh, we don't have much reserve. Uh, whatever reserve we had mm. uh, depleted. Uh, so we are having to buy uh, full uh, and energy at a higher price. Mm. Uh, grain, we were not affected that much. Of course, there is a, uh, inflation in food items. Mm. But uh, very fortunately, Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina's um, uh, proactive measures uh, and research and investment and subsidies uh, that uh, not many, uh, too many, everyone's liking, uh, helped Bangladesh to achieve a self-sustainability mm. uh, in food production, largely speaking. We do import some grains, uh, especially wheat, but we, not, we do not import our other major grains. Uh, to stabilize the prices in the market, sometimes very small amount of uh, rice that we, we import, but soybean is largely imported. Uh, and again, uh, Prime Minister Hasina introduced uh, you know special programs so farmers are encouraged to uh, uh, harvest uh, mustard, and you know mustard seeds are used for mustard oil, and that is being used for cooking. And the price is coming to a level of almost equal to soybean. So that's how we are replacing mm. uh, the, the the product and um, uh, other uh, agricultural items. Uh, but uh, mm, you know, it's it's as the world is suffering, uh, high interest rate is bothering us mm. um, the exchange rate uh, because we import a lot of our raw materials uh, as well we import almost entire uh, demand of uh, of uh, fuel and uh, uh, gas uh, and uh, you know we we need to find a solution uh, the market needs to come down the mm. price needs to settle down because uh, everyone is suffering and i think one needs to do more uh, to bring an end to this war and i'm not too sure whether keep on fighting will bring an end to this war. And, and you have elections coming up, so all of this uh, sort of economic uh, challenges that you face uh, are going to impact also on, on the elections. Uh, uh, I mean, we have, we have kept our constituents informed. And you know, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that government is to come up with their own uh, versions. Uh, it's, it's open source now. You know, everyone has, Bangladesh has one of the uh, largest, uh, uh, you know, uh, in terms of internet and mobile penetration, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we rank in one of the, of uh, on the higher side uh, among the 193 countries. So they are all informed, uh, they are well aware, and uh, whenever in the past also, whether that's flood, cyclone, uh, a natural calamity, uh, during the 2008 Asian crisis, uh, and also world economic crisis, and also in the 90s, uh, we have managed uh, the situation uh, better compared mm -hmm. to many other countries. Mm -hmm. Nikkei, the, the Japanese uh, media company, uh, they ranked Bangladesh in tackling COVID uh, among the top five in the world. Uh, so that goes on to tell the resilience of Bangladesh and also the pragmatic leadership of Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina. So I think people understand that, constituents understand that. Right. And, uh, you know, we are uh, very positive uh, about the upcoming election. Uh, we are preparing. Uh, and also, uh, new election commission uh, law was enacted. Uh, uh, president has the authority to convene, as per that law, uh, the new election commission that has been formed, and they have uh, repeatedly assured everyone that uh, uh, 
uh, there, there will be a free and fair uh, election uh, whenever that is due. Right. I wanted to come come to that. Uh, I, st I have two more questions, and then please, I'll turn to you about the elections. Uh, um, Minister, there have been allegations uh, in international media, also human rights organizations, about uh, alleged democratic backsliding in, in Bangladesh. And I was wondering what you have to say about that. And also, will there be uh, observers, international observers, uh, for these elections? Yeah, uh, both Election Commission and from the government, we made it clear that whoever interested in to come and observe the election, uh, they would be welcomed. Now, Unfortunately, Bangladesh has been targeted by some parts of the press internationally and uh, rather wrongfully. Uh, we haven't covered that yet, uh, the Rohingya issues, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll cite an example only just day before yesterday, and uh, unfortunately, I'll have to name this one. Wall Street Journal, you know, for all the viewers, please go and read. They said that Bangladesh has closed the door and Bangladesh uh, has refused to send 30,000 Rohingyas uh, that Canada wanted to, to bring into their own country, which is unfortunately and... Uh, utter lie, uh, you know, disinformation at its highest. Uh, and that too from Wall Street Journal. Uh, and uh, if you um, study uh, some of these similar presses, uh, how they have addressed and valued or rather uh, ignored the fact, the sacrifices and the government, uh, the humanitarian uh, assistance that government is providing to shelter, uh, one million uh, of them uh, was rather uh, largely ignored. Uh, so, you know, we are, uh, I guess we are a soft target, uh, unfortunately, uh, but uh, we know exactly what we're doing. Uh, of course, Bangladesh is a very nascent uh, democracy, a uh, country just uh, celebrating or observing 52nd year of our independence. Uh, but uh, out of these 52 years, more than 30 years, we were ruled by military dictators, mm -hmm. as was the case in some parts of uh, South Asia or, or other parts of Africa. And that never uh, did uh, any good to the country. So we have a very young democracy. Now, please show me a country who has achieved so much in terms of uh, institutionalized, uh, uh, you know, the, demo uh, the democracy, uh, democratic norms and values and uh, constitutional organization uh, uh, in, let's say, in, in, in effective term only in over 25 years. Uh, I think uh, someone needs to bear with us uh, who has problem, mm. uh, but uh, there are, of course, uh, forces and parties uh, inside Bangladesh uh, who has lost people's mandate uh, and uh, some of them are absconding, uh, living abroad, and uh, they, ha they are paying uh, lobbyists and uh, mm. companies and in some parts of the world in the West, it's uh, fully legal, so we cannot be too critical about it. Um, uh, that's so th what, what you see is, is a result of that. But having said all this, uh, we do believe and accept, and it's only natural to have issues in democracy, you know. Uh, and in South Asia, democracy is quite very loud and chaotic, and it can get really worse. Uh, but uh, I think uh, we have managed a lot better than many other countries in the region, and uh, we are accountable in the UN system. Uh, we are an active member of Human Rights Council. Only recently we were elected, securing highest number of votes, 160 100 out of 193 votes. So it's not just our own human rights. Uh, from our experience, we are sharing with other member countries. We are addressing issues of other countries and you know helping them or handholding them. Uh, we are committed uh, to improve uh, even further, uh, but uh, we will only commit to the multinational, uh, multilateral organization mm -hmm. and partners who are uh, appreciating our achievements, uh, who value the engagement. Uh, so we are involved uh, with those countries and multinational organizations. Right. Uh, thank you very much for that, uh, Minister. Just to, and, and I'm going to open the floor, but I want to ask you about the Rohingya because you, you said there have been utter lies, etc. So just correct us in terms of what are we going to do now? It's one of the most challenging humanitarian crises. Sometimes I have to say we feel like it's a forgotten crisis and Bangladesh is dealing with it almost single-handedly. So where do you see this, uh, this challenge going in, in, in the coming Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, uh, I wish I knew it, I knew the answer, uh, because that will be half of the solution. Uh, uh, it's uh, uh, Myanmar, uh, when the opportunity was there, mm. when Aung San Suu Kyi was still uh, the chief executive or de facto chief executive of the country, because constitutional forbidden uh, her to, to become the president. Uh, but uh, I don't think the, her friends in the world did enough to convince her. Uh, 
it was uh, uh, it was uh, rather a shame for many, uh, if not for for Myanmar herself, mm. uh, when she went on to defend uh, the military. the military uh, at the Hague at the ICJ. Uh, now, of course, uh, we see uh, her party, and uh, even though they are not allowed to practice politics uh, anymore, but National Unity Government announced that. Uh, they will repatriate Rohingyas. But you know why they didn't say that when they were in power? Uh, why they rather defended yeah, uh, exactly. those, those military officers? Now, uh, there are two sides. Now, there is a third one uh, very recently. One is humanitarian. Uh, I don't think the attention um, uh, is still uh, is still there. But, uh, of course, the world is facing many other problems. Mm. Uh, so, on the humanitarian side, uh, as the Wall Street Journal that I referred to went on to wrongly mentioned that Bangladesh receives all millions of dollars uh, out of it. But uh, I want to make it absolutely clear, it, Bangladesh uh, do not receive any money. It's the UN system where the money goes. It's IOM and UNHCR. If Wall Street Journal or any other country or organization have any problem with this, they need to go to UN to understand and you know challenge them where the money is going. So uh, rather, we are having to spend almost $2 billion from our uh, taxpayers' money in Bangladesh because the large pool of administrative officers, the law enforcing agencies, the place, uh, whatever it takes to manage, it costs about $2 billion. You know, that's our net expenditure every year, and no one is compensating that. Uh, so I will call upon uh, uh, the major economies of the world to live up to the expectation and commit what they have committed to UN mm -hmm. to support on humanitarian ground. The second one is repatriation, and uh, we are engaged bilaterally despite all these difficulties. Uh, sometimes we don't know, uh, you know, whether that is exactly the right thing to do. Uh, you, you know, I hate to say that because uh, it's, it seems that military is not in full control of the entire uh, Myanmar, mm. and world is not engaging with them also. But, you know, it's our problem. It's in our neighborhood. Uh, so we are doing our best. Uh, off late, we have agreed that a group of Rohingya will travel to the state of Rakhine mm -hmm. to see uh, the facilities that uh, has been ke kept ready or made ready for them to go back and leave so that they see whatever they see, and if they believe, and uh, they can instill trust uh, back uh, to our camps among all their neighbors and friends, uh, you know, we will have a couple of hundred probably as the first trial. So okay. that's on the repatriation. But on the third dimension, uh, the environment in the camp is deteriorating. Um, there are frequent uh, violence mm. uh, in, in terms of gun running and drug trafficking. Mm. And uh, uh, while uh, addressing those issues, uh, senior officials of a law enforcing agencies were killed in, in subsequent attacks. And there are incidents uh, every day, uh, quite a few every week as well. Mm. Uh, so it's uh, proving even more challenging. Mm, that's a grim situation you've painted. Uh, thank you very much for uh, being very frank about these issues. Uh, I'd like to now take some uh, questions from the floor for Minister. Uh, please uh, put up your hand and uh, I will have someone come. So there's a gentleman, two gentlemen over here, first in the first row. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. Um, it, it's a pleasure to see you, to, to, to have you here. My name is Maciej Stadejk. I'm Polish uh, ambassador to Political and Security Committee of the EU. And, uh, and first, I would like to congratulate you on, uh, on all these achievements um, uh, that your country is doing and that you described. Poland was one of the first EU countries that uh, the, the recognized Bangladesh and we started our diplomatic relations back in, in, in uh, 1972. So it's quite a while. And, uh, and I can say that now Bangladesh is one of our most important partners in, in South Asia. Um, so I, 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 would, I would like to make one comment and ask you one question. One comment would would be about the the, the war in in Ukraine mm, and, and and Russian aggression. Um, uh, you 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 mentioned this issue. It it concerns all of us. Um, uh, you 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 said that the um, the best um, what we can do is to end this war, and uh, and I fully agree with you. Um, uh, the problem here is that if um, Russia ends fighting, it means peace. If Ukraine ends fighting, it means they will be killed and, 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 and tortured and, and butchered. So this is the reason why the EU, including my country, is helping Ukraine uh, 
um, we are indeed um, sending um, military assistance, but we are also hosting millions of Ukrainians here in the EU. So th this is also another uh, sign that, that the world is really small and, and we being here in Europe and you in, in South Asia, we, we have the same problems with, uh, and same challenges maybe I would say with 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 mm -hmm. migration, so I would I would like to use this opportunity to to to, to ask you to, in in your contacts, um, in international contacts, to support our stance and to put pressure, at least political pressure, on the aggressor to to end the war and to withdraw from the territory of Ukraine. But I would also ask um, like to ask you a question. You mentioned about the global gateway, and and we also talk about the Indo-Pacific strategies. Everyone now has Indo-Pacific strategies too including the EU. Uh, so if you could uh, b b say what would be your expectations in terms of economic cooperation with the EU means global gateway, would you, would you um, uh, expect some investment in infrastructure, uh, transport infrastructure or rather digital uh, b b connectivity? And uh, the second question, what is your expectations in terms of bigger political uh, involvement of the EU in the region. And, and here also we, we, we are at, at, at our fora in the EU, we are discussing um, uh, involvement also of, of deepening our cooperation in security and defense issues. So it would be really interesting to hear how it looks from your perspective. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ambassador, please. Yeah, uh, thank you. I, I hear what you're saying, and uh, thank you for the word of appreciation uh, for Bangladesh and the achievements that we have made till date. Now, you, you are in a better position to judge because you sit right uh, at the epicenter uh, here. Uh, uh, with um, a Global Gateway Initiative, uh, uh, we, uh, our relationship with uh, European Investment Bank uh, 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 how to put it? I mean, it's not new, but uh, in our part of the world, or especially in Bangladesh, the prominence uh, of other uh, uh, multilateral financial institution is is a lot more louder in terms of presence. Uh, so I, s uh, I had a good meeting with the vice president of uh, European Investment Bank, uh, and we have laid down some plans, and I think we will be able to do a lot more. And Bangladesh is capital hungry at the moment as much as we are energy hungry and infrastructural development hunger is there as well. In terms of priority, uh, I think a lot of this will go in um, energy and power sector and connectivity projects. Uh, Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina uh, committed uh, to the region that will help other landlocked countries and region uh, to get access into the sea and to the world eventually. Uh, so we are strengthening the capacity of our port in Chittagong. We are setting up a new deep sea port uh, and also uh, we have already started uh, uh, imports and exp allowing import and export uh, for Nepal and Bhutan and northeastern India and that is making huge difference. Uh, so I think these are uh, you know without going into some research or detail but I, I see sitting here uh, that these are the major uh, destination for uh, European Investment Bank and uh, global gateway initiatives. Right. Thank you very much, uh, Sharyan. And you also mentioned digital Bangladesh. Of course, the digital connectivity, I guess, would be high up on the agenda. Yeah, sure. The gentleman over here, please. Sir. Good morning. Uh, Honorable uh, State Minister uh, of Foreign Affairs, Bangladesh, Dr. Mr. Sari Alam. Yep, uh, I welcome first, and also I say that the success stories of Bangladesh, which you have already explained, quite a lot. Uh, do you think that uh, this, uh, the political stability, uh, continuity of government uh, is a, uh, this uh, essential condition for sustain sustainable economic development of Bangladesh? And secondly, do you think that the EU and international community can, uh, can uh, help uh, accelerate this uh, economic growth in Bangladesh and to keep up this uh, momentum? Mm -hmm. No, thank you. I mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I'll be a little biased here because, you know, I, I belong to the government and the party. But uh, even if I try my best to remain neutral, I think the answer still would be yes. Uh, continuity of policy, if those policies are pro-people and truly meant, and if those policies are proven and have a history uh, of, uh, you know, good tangible uh, deliverables, 
uh, which was the case and is the case for Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina for the last 14 years. And there are widespread uh, recognition of the achievements, whether you go to come to European Union or UN or go to IMF or, or World Bank or you know, other human organizations. Uh, largely, I mean, there are rooms for improvement, no doubt about it. But uh, I think continuity uh, of the government and the policy in this case, of course, is the key for further development. Uh, and doing whatever we are doing in the European Union uh, and do it better uh, will uh, propel and uh, speed up the growth and uh, to achieve Shonar Bangla and Smart Bangladesh eventually. Thank you for the question as well. I'm happy to take uh, from uh, here. Nawab, uh, just Nawab, put up your hand, please. Thank you, Shada. Uh, Nawab Khan, I'm the Brussels correspondent of the Kuwait news agency, Kuna, and I have a couple of questions. Firstly, during your stay here, uh, which EU officials you met or you're going to meet and the issues discussed? Secondly, on the energy sector, how is your uh, cooperation with the Gulf countries like Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, etc.? And thirdly, can you tell us something about the relations of your neighbor country, India, as I come from Kolkata? Thank you. Thank you, Nawab. Uh, I, I wish I could answer you in Bangla, but uh, <laughs> respecting <laughs> others, uh, or a couple of them. Uh, uh, our relationship with India, uh, you know, I don't think we need to remind our audience, uh, uh, you know, uh, that's in blood. Uh, you know, over 12,000 Indian soldiers laid down their lives to defend uh, Bangladesh and help us uh, to win the war of liberation. Uh, and uh, through some ups and downs, there were lack of continuity, uh, you know, as the continuity was raised. Uh, there were issues in the past and we couldn't uh, prosper together or take the relationship further forward. But... Uh, you know, I'll just cite one example, land boundary agreement that was signed uh, way back in 1974 uh, between Indira Gandhi and father of the nation, Bangabandhu Sheikh Mujibur Rahman, was delivered uh, after so many years or, you know, after almost uh, 47 years uh, by Prime Minister Narendra Modi and Sheikh Hasina. And that, that's unprecedented. Uh, you know, there will be bloodshed, there will be, you know, billion dollar uh, engaged uh, in military warfare uh, for... Uh, a small strip of land, no matter how small it is. Uh, but we have exchanged documents and swapped land, uh, you know, amicably after all these years. And very few politicians from that generation is still around from 74 and implementing that as late as I think that was done in 2017, 15. Uh, you know, that's, that's tremendous. Uh, now, the first question, I, I think I'll try and well, not avoid, but it's a long one. Uh, I have met all the relevant uh, colleges, the officials, the commissioner here, and uh, you know the discussion ranged from A to Z in our relationship. Uh, so uh, I, I think I'm missing another one. <coughs> Energy. Energy. Yeah, you no, know, thank you. But, oh yeah, Gulf. Uh, of course, uh, uh, not just energy. Uh, it's a major destination for our migrant workforce. Mm. Uh, now I have my own coin favorite, Tom. Uh, with all due respect to our other neighbors and who is contributing towards that, that we have helped build Middle East. You know, uh, it's probably a little uh, oversimplification for many, but uh, I think that puts, that will tell you the story, you know, what we have done in the last three or four decades. In terms of energy cooperation, uh, major uh, supply of our major portion of our energy, both gas and fuel, is coming from those countries. Uh, the third new dimension, which is probably you are not fully aware or, you know, humbly, uh, I just wanted to remind you that keep an eye, uh, is investment that we are attracting, uh, especially from Saudi Arabia and UAE and hopefully from Qatar. Uh, my prime minister is scheduled to uh, 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 visit uh, Qatar for the second time in the last six months. So that uh, goes on to tell you the intensity of relationship and the importance, the growing importance. And again, you know, Bangladesh's journey has been aid to trade. And everyone now realizes that, you know, it's a place, it's a country that we should engage with. It's a customer, you know, with a customer base of 170 million and geopolitically perfectly located. And you can add the other neighboring states and countries' population into your product market target customer base. So that makes Bangladesh a very attractive proposition for many businesses. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Sharyar. Anyone else? Yes, please, Ambassador. 
morning and uh, thank you very much, uh, State Minister. I'm Omar Abdul Razak and the ambassador of uh, Maldives to Belgium and the European Union. Uh, my s question is a bit specific. Uh, it's about the CVF, the Climate Vulnerable Fund. And uh, as you know, Maldives is a frontline state for mm -hmm. uh, climate change and uh, sea level rise. Uh, the CVF was, uh, Bangladesh was the last chair of the CVF. And uh, they, were they give funding for various uh, climate uh, initiatives or projects that impact uh, the environment positively. And uh, since uh, many countries did not uh, factor in into their budget, the climate uh, disasters, uh, CBF, I think, um, had initiative to give budgetary support to countries uh, through their funding. Uh, I just want to uh, get your view on that and how it is going and has it, uh, is it happening? No, thank you. But, uh, your speaker, Mr. Nasheed, uh, was a co-chair alongside Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina. And we appreciate, I mean, we are on the same boat, uh, uh, the suffering of these uh, island states, uh, Maldives. Uh, but uh, Global um, uh, CVF, Climate Vulnerable Forum, is a platform. Uh, they actually do not have any authority as such to, uh, to allocate budgets. Uh, they don't have any. Uh, but uh, uh, the other one, I think the one that you are truly trying to refer is the uh, 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 Global uh, Climate uh, Fund, GCF. Uh, now, we know, we discussed this, the difficulty of these smaller countries, especially... Well, both Maldives have, uh, and Bangladesh have some capacity uh, to apply, and uh, we know roughly you know, how to go about it. But, uh, but before I go into that, Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina, way back a uh, good 10 years ago, created her own climate change trust fund. Uh, even the world committed it, she came back from one of the COP and created her own fund with $200 million. But, you know, world failed or faltered or waited another 10, 12 years to only announce, uh, to, to create a fund or rather... You know, GCF was created just a couple of years ago. But we have been receiving a growing number of countries is expressing difficulty mm. to access the fund. It's largely due to their capacity, uh, how they fit in in their application format or proposal, which is, you know, and you need to uh, employ or engage uh, a foreign consultant who will probably take away 20% of your allocated budget, which is, uh, you know, rather sad. And that has been a, a problem for many other uh, multilateral uh, you know, financial organization in the world. Uh, but uh, this is something is talked about, and uh, I hope the current leadership, um, uh, which is uh, uh, climate vulnerable from Senegal probably, is, is a current chair, or, or could be Ghana. It's one of the African countries. And this is top in the agenda, and by the time we reach uh, to UAE uh, later this year, uh, we have had discussion uh, here, uh, or as as CVF with European uh, Union colleges and relevant uh, mm, uh, commissioner, and also from Commonwealth. During the last Commonwealth Foreign Minister's meeting uh, in March, I was there. Uh, you know, so was uh, uh, your Foreign Minister. Uh, we say we discussed that prior uh, attending uh, the next COP, we will be discussing this. Uh, so I think uh, hopefully there will be some improvement. Thank you. Uh, Shira, time is being flying and I'm looking at the clock, so I'm happy to take uh, one more question if there is. Uh, if not, uh, I see Tarzin and, and Willem both putting up their hands. Can you agree on which one we'll ask? L <laughs> Let's be Tarzine. brief and take both. <laughs> mm. All right. We can, if, if the questions are quick, I will take both. Okay. Equality. But Sorry. we'll start with Tarzin. Yeah. Um, I was wondering whether Bangladesh has been taking any s effective steps internationally to get the 1971 genocide recognized at the international level? Yeah, I'll be very quick answering. Yes, uh, a couple of years ago in 2017, the parliament actually tasked Minister of Foreign Affairs and uh, uh, to, to, to for international recognition of 1971 genocide. And uh, we have made some progress. Uh, uh, the, the, this uh, Genocide Institute uh, recently uh, recognized and formally announced uh, that uh, it was a genocide. Now, uh, what Parliament asked us to do is uh, for UN recognition. But I think uh, that's going to be a uh, little difficult because UN tries to avoid, uh, you know, th those embarrassing uh, chapters of the history where even, you know, in Kigali, UN was at fault even, uh, you know. So, uh, 
Having said all this, uh, the individual bilateral country recognition and regional recognition is that is what uh, we are working towards and uh, uh, not a date or event, uh, event from UN, uh, something uh, in different form or shape uh, is, is something that we are, we are working on and we have made some progress. And thank, thank you very much for the question. Thank you as well. Uh, Willem? Uh, no? I had the same question. Oh, you had the same uh, question. Huh? Okay. So I, I will then take the prerogative of uh, asking the last question to you as well. Uh, Minister, you mentioned female workforce, many, many employed in the textile industry, of course, and investments coming into, into Bangladesh often go to the textile sector. We've had the tragedy of the Rana Plaza in 2013. Uh, and I was just wondering if you could brief us very, very quickly, of course, on, on what's been done in terms of labor standards and especially as regards... Well, after the women. terrible incident, we, had, uh, we have had a uh, knee-jerk reaction. Uh, the entire people who are involved in the sector, they would know. Um, uh, NGOs who work towards it uh, would know for sure. And I don't need to tell you much that uh, uh, there has been massive transformation uh, in that area. A lot of uh, smaller and medium-sized factory had to go out of business because uh, government set out a very high standard, especially in the building code and, you know, how you address and treat your workforces. And that's why we have seen also in last eight, nine years, uh, salary of government workers uh, uh, was revised up to f uh, 40, 50 percent, uh, three times already. And we now have a set mechanism that we address uh, the pay issue every three years and this year is the year and last year the increase was from 5,000 to 8,000 taka for, for, okay. for, for basic pay. Now that's just one dimension. The other dimension is there is no incentive from the brands or customers as such and that's uh, I think the destination country needs to work on and politicians and officials in Europe and Brussels and other parts of uh, Western countries needs to work towards. But uh, we have invested heavily in green and sustainable manufacturing. We have nearly 200 green certified, lead certified factories. Out of the world, 10 best, seven of them are in Bangladesh. And the top rated one is in Bangladesh as well. Those are technically known as platinum, gold and silver certified factories. But uh, I think I can safely claim, with all due respect to all our competitors, that Bangla garments produced uh, in Bangladesh is probably the cleanest most. Okay, on that happy note, uh, I'd like to bring this discussion to an end. It's been a professional pleasure uh, on behalf of EPC to thank, thank you, you, but also for me. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I spent a lot of my time, my childhood, in uh, East Pakistan in those days, but Bangladesh. And when you talk about Dhaka and Chittagong, I have pictures of my childhood that come to my mind. So it's been a real pleasure to have you here, uh, Dr. Shahyar Alam, and thank you, Mehboob, for organizing this. Thank you. Thank you. It's truly a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. There's coffee and tea, and uh, I suppose you have perhaps 10 minutes to have a quick sure. chat with some of us here. Thank you very much indeed. Bye-bye.